Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning again. Um, So I'm going to lead off this morning with a little bit of an unusual uh, conversation for us. I read a headline um, from the Associated Press this morning on a mission to heal after exposing her dad to deadly virus. So this is a story about a woman who lives in Sharon, Massachusetts. Uh, Her name is Michelle Pepe. Um, And she talks about having um, awoken every day and reciting the Kadash, uh, the the mourner's prayer, kissing a photo of her father, and then spending the day coping with her guilt, Um, actually saying to her dad, Dad, I'm so sorry that this happened. So um, what happened in March of 2020 was that she visited her parents. She traveled from Massachusetts to Florida to visit her parents, and subsequently her dad um, was diagnosed with COVID, and uh, and he died weeks later, just following her the celebration of her mom's 80th birthday. And so this woman, um, this article talks about the grief with which this woman is seeking to cope. And throughout the conversation, you know, first of all, your heart breaks for her, and you recognize um, just how powerful grief is for those who grieve without the kind of hope that those of us who are in Christ know and understand. We no longer grieve as those who have no hope. Um, we understand not only the power of God's forgiveness, but we have then the ability to um, forgive ourselves, right? I mean, I'm not saying I have the power to forgive myself. I'm saying that from the forgiveness that I've received from God, I experience being forgiven. And so in the same way that I don't hold sins against others, I also recognize, and although I actually think it's harder, I don't hold sins against myself. Like God has forgiven that. He has moved it as far as the East is from the West, Um, as far as the North is from the South. So far has he removed our sins from us in Christ Jesus. There is real power in real forgiveness. And this is clearly a woman in this article um, who does not have that peace. And so she is literally consumed with guilt and shame and grief um, instead of being consumed with hope and the reality of resurrection and the promise of a reunion and living together um, as brothers and sisters in Christ in the kingdom of God. And I'm not making little of death here. I'm trying to make much of both life and life eternal. I mean, her dad was in his 80s. So he had lived, you know, four score plus. And there is a necessary sobriety, um, I think, when it comes to just how long do you think people are going to live? And just how long did you think you'd have your dad? And, um, you know, and you don't actually know that you're the person that gave him COVID. 
And so, you know, you might just be making too much of yourself. Um, it's a lot to have the Associated Press cover your story. It means you have made much. You have publicly made much of your grief and you have publicly made much of your sense of responsibility um, for your dad having contracted COVID. Like there is some publicness to all of this that makes me personally uncomfortable as well. So today we are going to talk about disease and death and grief and guilt and coping, but we are going to talk about all of those things in the context of the hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are going to talk about all of those things in the context of the reality of the kingdom of heaven and and the reality that death comes. It's coming. It's actually completely unavoidable. And so being uh, prepared, living as those who are prepared to die, is the calling to each and every one of us. What is guaranteed is the moment you have right now, not the one that would come with the very next breath. And so let us um, live life to its absolute fullness, which means advancing the kingdom in every moment, always and in all ways, in all directions, that more and more people might know the grace of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. That that heaven, that as my colleague uh, Bill Arnold says, that hell might be depopulated and heaven might be just packed full. Uh, that ought to be like our heart's desire and our life's mission. And we do that by living in such a way that demonstrates the goodness and the beauty and the truth, the grace of God in Jesus Christ. So let's go be shiny today in all we do. Dr. Brett Nix is up next from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. All right, we're going to start off by talking about climbing the stairs. All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you are on the second floor, you got there by climbing the stairs. If there is a flight of stairs, do you avoid it? That is going to be the conversation we are going to have right now with Dr. Brett Nix. Brett, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Carmen. Happy Tuesday. How are you today? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Well, you know, I feel like I need to go inside and climb the stairs a few times. Hey, you should. You know, I'm just listening into your lead in. We, we're called to live life abundantly. And, you know, John 10, 10 puts that forward to us. This is not about fear in every single day. And if you happen to live on the second floor, you shouldn't fear your stairs. This is something that is fascinating. Although, to be quite honest with you, this is something that all of us have known. Because how often do you go to the grocery store and you look, you circle around 10 times, try to find the closest parking spot, uh, rather than park in the back of the lot to get the extra distance? Or if you live on the second floor, how many times do you think, well, I'm just not going to go downstairs. I'll wait till later to do everything at once. Well, it's fascinating. There's a study out of Ontario that tells the truth about the things that we know, which is simply this brief, vigorous exercise. And they looked at stair climbing uh, is a moderate intensity exercise and it changes fitness. Now, this is key. And I'm going to boil this down to a couple simple things for people, because really what matters is this. People have trackers for their steps. They say, gosh, I need to get a thousand more steps in today. And that's usually on relatively flat surfaces. You're walking in a normal pace of whatever it is that you've defined. But stair climbing, if you think about it, works balance because you're going from foot to foot and there's a point where you're on balance of one foot. 
In addition to balance, you're navigating strength. Going upstairs and downstairs, you recognize the muscle groups that you're using are distinctly different. And recognize that if you're doing it in, a, in an appropriate environment, if you're not sure about your balance, you typically will have a handrail to assist you. And you're looking at something that is safe, that is effective, it's feasible. And they looked at it for those patients that had had cardiac surgery and were going through rehab. And what they found is not necessarily profound overall, but is telling, which is simply this. This is a change for fitness. This is not just maintaining. This is improving. And what they found was that their heart-lung fitness after four weeks of simple things, what did they do? Three rounds of six flights of 12 stairs. So if you have a set of stairs in your house, that is up and down three times. And then three rounds of that at whatever pace you chose. And they did this on a regular daily basis. So the challenge to each one of you is if you want to live abundantly, if you want to maintain your strength, your balance, and to keep going, embrace your stairs. All right. Three rounds. That's up and down. 12 stairs, six times a day. Um, I feel like if you just do laundry for a family, a big family, and you and you make sure that your washer and dryer is on the first floor and your bedrooms are on the second floor, you achieve this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to carry and the that... vacuum cleaner up and down one of those times today. Like that. There you go. Be... And you get some shoulders, too. So I'm saying, like, like, carry the laundry basket. I realize that's not good for the people that need to hold on to the handrail, but there you go. All right. So hold on to the handrail if necessary. But yeah, take the stairs. All right, that's not a surprising one. All right, let's do um, let's let's talk about one more thing um, because I think we can dispense with it fairly quickly. Um, colonoscopy at forty five. Have the rules changed here? Not really. I think what you're finding is uh, several different studies keep coming out. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, along with what you've seen before from the American Cancer Society basically have said, hey, you know what, if you're an at-risk individual, we recognize that colon cancer is not limited to people that are over the age of 50. And that uh, early basic screening at age 45 to, 20, or 45 to 49 may be indicated. And you know, keep in mind, obviously, if you are in a family that has a history of colon cancer, if you have uh, issues as far as uh, your gut is concerned, if you at any point in time start noticing that you're having blood in your stool, these are reasons to go ahead and get a screening done at whatever age you may be. Uh, but recognize that the typical health screening, we're not talking about everyone at age 45 starting a colonoscopy. And this is really where there's a little bit of disagreement. But a visual test, it's basically a stool-associated test versus the typical ones where you think about your, colono your colonoscopy. Uh, or you'll see now there's even some small ones that are a little a tablet that you take that has a camera that goes through your body. Many different modalities uh, but it depends on what your risks are. And again, if you're having GI-associated issues, if you are having episodes, as stated before, of blood in your stool, you really need to seek uh, assistance from your doctor. Catching it early makes all the difference. All right. Hats off to Lori. She lives on the uh, on the third floor of her apartment building, so she's had to climb two flights of stair at least uh, once a day. She's lived there for almost five years, so she's feeling really good about her heart health. <laughs> there you go. That's outstanding. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, Dr. Brett Nix and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about dementia. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. All right, continuing my conversation with Dr. Brett Nix. Um, Brett, people are loving this. Lots of engagement on the conversation about the stairs. So there you go. Hey, I'll tell yeah. you, it's something that everybody should be doing, I'm telling you. And it's, it, it's so different. For those who are, are replying, 
how many of them have ever been on a Stairmaster before and say, gosh, it's just not the same. It's not. Think about a Stairmaster. Your feet are never coming off a platform. So the balance segment to there, there is not the same. This is something that is so important as we age, we lose our underlying capacity for balance and stairs really bring that out. So my mom um, had a, a heart attack Memorial Day last year and uh, and I can't remember a triple or a quadruple bypass. Uh, I don't know, two days later. And so this conversation is extremely relevant. And let me just say that initially, right, that she was actually intimidated by taking that first step on on the steps. And now, man, she's up and down the steps all the time um, and feels so good. And uh, and she likes to have a rail on both sides. You know, she's in her mid-80s, so that stability thing is really important. Um, but let me just encourage you, you can regain capacities that, you know, you didn't even know you'd lost or you hadn't thought about uh, losing. So there you go. I'm uh, I'm just cheering the stair, the stair climbing um, <laughs> encouragement. All right. Let's talk a little bit about dementia. Um, what's the update here that we need to know? Yeah. You know, there's some studies that have been coming out and actually several over time that really look at what's called olfactory decline. And what that is, is your ability to smell. And there's some mm. associated features there that, you know, as we age, our taste buds change. Well, they started to say, hey, you know what, taste we understand. And that's just because of the taste buds that exist on our tongue over time, they age out and they're not replaced to the same degree as they have been. But what we're finding as well is it's those fine details that the brain does incredibly well, that God created to do just amazing things. Well, one of them is the platform inside the upper nose that allows you to smell and to articulate what those smells are. And so there was another study that came out that looked at different scents, the things that you and I would be able to differentiate. And what they found is for those that were not able to differentiate well, four out of five of those folks downstream uh, were more than twice as likely to develop dementia based on their performance if they could not identify four out of the five smells. So they're like, gosh, does this really inter uh, interact with our ability to predict dementia? And I think it's just an additional thing. Now, granted, if you have you have chronic sinusitis, if you have allergies and other things, your ability to smell is going to be impacted. So granted, we also saw this during COVID with the anosmia, the inability to smell at all. These are different issues altogether. This does not mean that you're going to be developing Alzheimer's. But recognize that the simple things that we know to be true about Alzheimer's, the risks are there. And the ability for you to go ahead and prevent it are simple, uh, as best you can anyway, which is simply what? It is maintaining a healthy balance of life, which is doing new things for your brain every day, challenging yourself, maybe opening up a, uh, an app on your, on your phone or on your computer or even just finding an old dictionary and learning a new word every single day. Uh, for those that are instrumental in, in basses, playing the piano or otherwise, all of these things do tremendous aspects of these neurotransmitters in your brain that allow your brain to continue to flourish and continue to be uh, active as we get older. And so when you look at these things, the things we're talking about, walking stairs, eating well, getting appropriate sleep, and then engaging your brain, these are all things to help prevent the onset of dementia. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of learning a new word every day. So yesterday, my um, seven-year-old granddaughter, you know, it's summer now, right? She's technically out of school. She's homeschooled, but school's over for her. And so she was, um, you know, looking for things to do yesterday afternoon. So I just, you know, not in totally anticipation of our conversation today, but I got out the word search and I got out the Sudoku and she has now learned to do both of those. And we're doing those together. We did them competitively yesterday. Um, we play uh, dominoes and Scrabble after dinner every night. I feel like the Scrabble, um, it's been amazing 
how many more words um, the the kids in high school have learned in the last couple of years. And I have not learned as many new words as they have learned. Like, right, there is something to all of that. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, you know, even a game like Bananagrams, we play that with our kids yeah, as well. Yeah, that's it. We, we do Bananagrams, not actual Scrabble. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a blast. But the reality is afterwards they end up sitting down saying, gosh, I had these letters. I can't figure out what I needed to, to create. So what do they do? They will go grab a, uh, a dictionary, or open up a computer app that looks at Bananagram words and tries to identify them. And so here they are you know, triggering all these things. And granted, they're young. Their brains are developing still. Um, and I'm sitting there laughing, thinking to myself, I just have to look over their shoulder and figure out what they're doing so I can stay one step ahead. But uh, there's so much truth to that. We have to exercise our brains. We've been given them for an amazing purpose, uh, and we need to put them to use. Bananagrams, man. It is so fun. All right. We have time to talk about COVID vaccine boosters. What do we need to know? Well, I think what you need to know is what we've already expected, which is anytime we have an immunization process, your body mounts an immune response. And after that immune response is there, how long it lasts is highly variable. Everyone's immune system is going to be distinctly different. And in that difference, what we might not know, number one, is, Carmen, you had your immunizations. Now you're good for six months. You know, Maybe perhaps I'm at nine months. Maybe I'm one year where my, my uh, immune system has appropriate antibodies uh, established. So what we're going to say is, hey, you know what? You should anticipate going forward as long as we continue to see COVID that we're going to have it plus what you will find in the boosters likely is that we're going to see different variants downstream and our boosters will likely be predictive, just like we see with the flu shot, predictive of what variants we might see in the coming year. Uh, we don't have exact data as it relates right now. Most of the studies show the efficacy of the immunizations, specifically of Pfizer and Moderna, are effective to six months. Uh, what we think probably longer, we just don't know how much longer. So ongoing studies will continue to watch, but I would anticipate coming this fall when people are talking about the oncoming flu season uh, that we're going to be talking about what our boosters will look like as well. Hmm. All right. Dr. Brett Nix, it's always such a joy. Oh, you know, I got a, I got a whole minute left. I don't know. Can we talk? Hey, Carmen. Yeah, we can. Let's do this All one. Right. You know, the one that people talked about is, hey, with COVID uh, and my kids and stuff like that, are we, become, are we becoming too clean and are we putting ourselves at risk? And I'll tell you what, one of my mm. favorite phrases when I grew up was, God made dirt, so dirt don't hurt. Uh, and the studies are fascinating. What we think about when we wash our hands and everything like that, people say, are we putting ourselves at risk for upcoming diseases? The stuff related to our house is not the issue. The things that really matter are the, the old friends, as people will call them, which is the ability for people to get outside when you're really young and as you continue to age and be in the dirt, be out in nature, the places that God created for us to be. That is the key for us to go ahead and decrease our risk of allergies, decrease the eczema, the asthma, the things that we see. Uh, and uh, too often, I think you will see over the last 30, 40 years, people have had issues with allergies. Well, maybe this last year, for those that weren't locked up in a large apartment complex and could not get outside, but for those who took outdoor breaks to go for walks, maybe we'll actually see a, an increased rebound in the ability to mount immunity, that people are actually going to be healthier, not because of hand sanitizer, not because of masks but because of the simple thing of slowing down and getting outdoors into what God created. Oh, yeah. We love us some dirt. So thank you. That is so good. That is so yeah. good. All it's, right, um, Brett, as always, thank you so much. Remind people of where they can find you online. What's your website? Yes, Carmen. People can find me at brettnixmd.com 
And uh, what you'll find there is just a, a wealth of information on some blogs that is really just around leadership and abundant life living and things that uh, will move you forward and encourage you every day. And you encourage us. So thank you so much, uh, Brett. We really appreciate it. All right, that's Dr. Brett Nix. You can also um, find him at the Christian Medical and Dental Association, cmda.org. Love what our friends over there are doing. we got to take a break for Breakpoint. All right, some days don't exactly work out ex- in precisely the way that you'd planned. So... Our next guest is not going to join us, which means that I am going to offer some considerations and thoughts. We're going to talk about Romans chapter 16. We're going to talk about summer vacation. Yeah, we'll talk about some other stuff. I'm going to look for some headlines that we should talk about. I call this section leftovers. I like leftovers. All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Licato. We are not God's gift to humanity. God can use each of us, but he doesn't need any of us. We're valuable, but not indispensable. You love, but who loved you first? You serve, but who served the most? What are you doing for God that God couldn't do alone? How wise of us to remember Paul's antidote for the joy-sucking self-promotion. With humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Philippians 2 and verse 3. Here's a helpful exercise that can turn your focus off yourself and onto others. During the next 24 hours, make it your aim to celebrate everything that happens to someone else. Keep a list. And you'll move from joy to joy as you regard other people's success as more important than your own. This is Max Locato, and this is How Happiness Happens. I'm not actually sure that's a word, but it is something that I do um, frequently. And calendaring requires, right, the bringing together of my calendar and the things that I have on my calendar with the other people in my life with whom I also want to spend time. And so, you know, there is this calendaring process. When can we see each other and intersect and spend time together? And so as, uh, as life grows more and more complex, so my sister and I, when we were, you know, single and had no people, right? Uh, calendaring was easy. We could we could get together pretty easily. Uh, and then she got married and had kids. And so I was still single. So calendaring was not really that complex. And then I got married and, you know, my situation is like tribal. And so there's lots of people and lots of calendars. And so the integration of all of that results in when can I spend time with my sister? Which leads me to um, this notification. Uh, Starting June the 7th, I will be on vacation. Uh, And I'm going to take a vacation with my sister, just the two of us. I will then be back on air on June the 21st. Yep, it's a long vacation, and um, we're not taking our phones. Well, or we'll be in a place where our phones won't work anyway. So um, Dr. Peter Kapsner is going to fill in as the show host for those two weeks, and you will have a great time. Sunday, June the 27th, hear this. Now this is you and I calendaring together. So mark this on your calendar. Sunday, June the 27th, 
We are going to gather that Sunday evening for a video live stream that we're going to call Conversations with Carmen. So this is where you get to ask questions or tee up topics for conversation. Um, several of you text like frequently, like, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we got to have a place and a time where we can talk about the stuff you want to talk about and uh, and tee it up for conversations that I can have with you. So conversations with Carmen Sunday evening, June the 27th on all of Faith Radio's video platforms. So you'll be able to find it at MyFaithRadio.com, but it will actually be hosted on Faith Radio's YouTube and Facebook pages. That's as much as I know about it right now, so don't press me for more details. But in the calendaring area, I want you to mark that down. Um, Also, um, people ask from time to time, hey, do you ever like go and talk to groups of people? Yeah. Pre-COVID, I went and talked to groups of people a lot. And so now we are getting beginning to get invitations. And so thank you to the other Northwestern, the one in Iowa, where I'm going to be speaking this fall. Excited about that. Looks like that's going to happen the first week of November. And so if you're saying to yourself, hey, as we are calendaring at our church or in our ministry group, uh, maybe we could have Carmen come and talk live where we are to our group of people. Yep, you can. Uh, So mostly now looking at the calendar for 2022, can't even believe I'm saying that, but that's the calendar we're now looking at in terms of speaking engagements. And you can get all the information you need about that at reconnectwithcarmen.com. There you go. All right. So that would be the calendaring part of the conversation. Um, This next uh, sort of, you know, Carmen is riffing because her guest didn't show up portion of the show is um, on Romans chapter 16. So this will be the where in the word conversation for the day today. So this past Sunday, uh, we looked at Romans chapter 16 during worship uh, at the church where I attend and participate and serve. So I will tell you um, that Romans chapter 16, uh, I have never heard it discussed in quite this way. And so I thought, well, this will be a fun thing to share if I get the opportunity to do so. So this has been in my you know, on my leftovers list, which is the carryover list from day to day of things that, hey, if I get the opportunity, let's talk about this. So here we go. Um, I have ordinarily heard Romans chapter 16 preached on the, like, what have been considered like the instructional or content portions of it, and then the doxology. So people mostly focus in on like verses uh, 17 to 20, and then 25 to the end of the chapter. My pastor thought, you know what, let's focus this time around in our study of Romans 16 um, on all of the greetings. Why is it that Paul commends all of these people to us by name? Who are these people? What are their stories? Um, How are they partners in the gospel advance with the Apostle Paul? What could we possibly know about these people? And so it leads off in verse 1, 1 and 2, with Phoebe. So Paul says in Romans chapter 16, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centuria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron for of many and of myself as well. So we learn a lot about Phoebe in that, um, in, in that one sentence. What do we know about her? Phoebe is obviously traveling to Rome. Uh, Paul is commending her as a sister and a servant of of the church, and he's telling them to welcome her, which suggests 
that she's the one carrying the letter. Phoebe has the letter to the church at Rome packed in her suitcase on this trip that she's making to Rome for some business purpose. And so um, Phoebe is obviously a person of means. She is described here as a patron, which means she is a woman of some level of wealth. Uh, She is not described as traveling with a husband. She's not described as a person who is married. So we could make the assumption that she is a single woman traveling on business to Rome uh, and into her care and custody. This letter that we have received as the Book of Romans uh, is packed in her suitcase. Think about that for a moment. Like, uh, that is so cool. If you've ever wondered, how did the letter get from uh, Paul to the church in Rome? Well, apparently it got there via Phoebe. All right, so that's kind of cool, and you might uh, consider consider that. And then we get Prissa and Aquila. Now, you know Prissa and Aquila because you've read the book of Acts. And so you know, when Paul describes them as fellow workers in Christ Jesus, you know um, part of their story. You, um, but then they're described this way. This is verses 3 and 4. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. So Paul is... Um, he says of these two precious fellow saints, these are people who, you know, put their neck on the line for me. When you are making your list of, as my pastor described it this weekend, friendships forged in Christ, when you're making your list of these people, who would be on your greeting list? Who would be on the commend, I commend to you? I commend to you my sister. I commend to you my brother. I commend to you my fellow workers. These are the Christians who put their neck on the line for me. Um, there, there are greetings in here to the church that meets in their house. Who would that be in your life? Who's the church that meets in your house? Um, who are the beloved? Who are the fellow workers? Who are the kinsmen, the fellow prisoners? These are, this is the language that Paul uses in these verses. Who are the beloved in the Lord? Who are your fellow workers in Christ? Who are the workers approved in Christ? Who are those who belong to your family? Who are your kinsmen? Again, these are this is the language of this chapter. Who are the workers in the Lord? Who are those who work hard in the Lord? Chosen in the Lord? Who has been a mother to you? Let's stop there for just a second. That's in verse 13. So he says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Have you ever considered that Paul had a spiritual mother? I don't know if you ever thought about that. It's like a godmother. Like, that is cool and worth consideration and thinking about and considering in terms of the value that Paul placed um, on the role of certain people in his life and the influence that they had in the formation of who, not only who he is as a, as a disciple, but who he is as an apostle. Who has mothered you in the faith? Who would make this list for you? There's a list of brothers here. There's a list of sisters here all of whom are referred to by Paul as saints. And all of those start with greet. Greet, 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 greet. And then you get to verse 16. How are we supposed to greet one another? With a holy kiss. Not, not a kiss that, that culture, you know, the way sort of culture might define a kiss, but a holy kiss. And what does that look like? Pure and undefiled and righteous and holy. 
All right, we um we got to take a brief break. When we come back, uh, more leftovers. Together. All right, Jessica texted in um, that she's happy to have Carmen's leftovers every single day, literally from the kitchen or figuratively here on the radio. So today, if you were here at my house, uh, the leftover options would be either um, some broiled salmon with some basil drizzled tortellini with fresh tomatoes from our greenhouse or the leftovers from the big uh, cookout we had on Sunday to celebrate Eliana's graduation. So those would be your leftover options if you were at my house today. Um, Let's see. In the figurative leftover list, these are all things that I keep at the bottom of my tracking sheet each and every day so that if this happens where we have a guest who doesn't show up, then I have something to turn to and say, oh, let's talk about that. So, So yesterday I had aggregated this list of Um, of things that have happened around the world. A cable car collapsed in Italy, killing a number of people. A volcano erupted in the Congo. Lava poured into communities, obviously, not only destroying those communities, but killing the people in its path. A freakish hailstorm killed uh, a couple dozen athletes in China who were competing in an ultra marathon. Um, and, And we obviously have had ongoing conversations in the culture about you know the ongoing death count related to COVID and the numbers in India are genuinely um, horrific. And so it, it got me thinking about um, how we pray and, and for whom we pray and who we account for in terms of um, death. And I don't know about you, but I live in a place where there's this overhead thing on the interstate that actually tells you like how many people had died in um, traffic-related incidents in our state, you know, to this, you know, year to date at this point last year, and then the number this year. And I'm sure it's supposed to be like an encouragement to, you know, slow down and drive carefully and pay attention and, and all of those good things. But frankly, it's just this like crazy discouraging death count. I mean, it's sort of the way that I see it. And so do you have this overhead death count uh, on on the interstate, on your signs? And if so, like, how do you feel when you pass beneath that? I take it as a reminder of the value of human life. Like there is a reason that we care that hundreds of thousands of people have died in in India and and potentially millions. There's a reason that we care that dozens of people have died um, in in the Congo uh, because of a volcano eruption. And there's and there's a reason that we care. And we care because there is real value to every human life. There is real value to every human being. God accounts for each and every one. God knit each and every one together in their mother's womb. Each and every one is fearfully and wonderfully made in the very image of the living God. Each and every one matters. And so when you um, encounter headlines or uh, news stories related to death, I want you to think about life. I want you to think about the creator and the giver of life. I want you to think about the value of life. I want you to think about um, the life that Christ died to give us, this abundant and full life. And yes, yes, life eternal. And let's be people who live in such a way today that people are interested in in that kind of life, in having 
um, in having that kind of life. Um, all right, uh, let's see. I have on my leftover list that Facebook shut down uh, the Prayers for Israel page, which had 77 million followers. And the reason they had to shut it down is the page was bombarded with anti-Semitic comments. Um, that gives you a little bit of a window into the ferocity and energy out there related to anti-Semitism. This, these are not just like one-offs where people are doing horrible things um, on the street or outside of Jewish synagogues across the country. Um, this was thousands of people bombarding the Prayers for Israel uh, Facebook page with awful, horrific comments. And so Facebook, um, almost by grace, took it down. I don't know how else to say that. Um, that says something about the cultural moment in which we live. And it says something about the calling of Christians um, to engage in the conversations of the day and to do so in ways that honor Jesus, who, by the way, was Jewish. Um, you know, he is the Jewish Messiah. Before, I mean, he's he's the Messiah Messiah. So, yes, he's the Jewish Messiah, but he is also the Gentile Messiah. But those of us who are Gentiles are engrafted in. And so the Jews and Judaism still precious to God, right? It's a berit olam. It's, it's, a, uh, it's an everlasting covenant that God makes. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to try to explain to you how that all works. I recognize that there are a number of various understandings and viewpoints in terms of the relationship of Israel to, um, or ancient Israel, biblical Israel to the modern state of Israel, to historical Judaism, to Judaism today, to the relationship of Israel and the church, to the relationship of the Jews to the Christians. I get it. I get it. I've written an entire paper on it. You can read it at reconnectwithcarmen.com. I get it. I know the different viewpoints. Here's what I know for certain. Judaism is, you cannot understand Christianity without understanding the Jews and Judaism. The New Testament does not exist apart from the Old Testament. And so um, read it if you have not ever read it and come to know the story of the Jews over the course of human history. Okay, there's a, a little bit of a weird, um, oh, we're supposed to be taking a break. Let's take a break, and then I'll make one more leftover comment before the end of the hour. This has kind of been fun. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. He will renew your All right, people of peace, let us be today a people of peace. Um, let us be people who sow peace today. If you haven't already planted your garden, Paul, is it time? Is it time oh, yeah, in Minnesota? Yeah, yep. Garden planting? Definitely. Have you already planted? Are you I've, planting a I've, garden? Yes, I have. It's more of a deck garden, but yes. What's in the deck garden? Uh, I got, let's see, tomatoes, put in a Brussels sprout. Love Brussels sprouts. Mm. Um, got peppers, got various herbs and such, um, broccoli. Yeah, a lot of good right. stuff. Beans. It makes me want to sing a VeggieTales song when you said broccoli. Um, if you, yeah, we exactly. <laughs> so we have planted a portion of our garden. We have not yet planted um, the few little rows of corn that we will put in. I think it's mostly just for fun. I don't really know why we plant corn because we almost it never seems it doesn't flourish where we are. But we have planted our sweet potatoes because we are, if anything, sweet potato farmers. Like we are good at that. 
um, and we have basically eaten through our strawberries. Like that's kind of already happened here. Um, and our tomatoes that we started in the greenhouse are crazy abundant. So we have new tomato plants in the garden, but the greenhouse tomatoes are super abundant. So we are chomping on those. So here's what I want us to think about today as we are as we maybe are sowing real seeds into real gardens, um, that there is a harvest of righteousness that God intends to ingather unto himself. And we need to be sowing the seeds of peace of that today in the culture that God so loves. So let's be culture cultivators today. Let's be people who sow peace in the world that God so loves. Um, let's be people through whom the light of Christ shines. All right, so go out there today and be shiny. Let's give God a good harvest of righteousness today. Um, actually, let's give it to him in every season. And in the meantime, be people who sow peace in the world. Let the word of God live so richly within us that it will be planted in the lives of others as we live in their midst. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.